Um, we have lots of people who everyone goes there, oh, they're never going to get home, they're never going to be able to do anything for themselves. And we get them there. They get to go home. They get to stay at home. They get to have their, you know, their full treatment and they're doing it themselves. Hello and welcome to a Nurse Outwear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of a nurse out where. Uh, I've got a very uh, unique character with me today. She's um, she's worked as a registered nurse since 2000 and did her grad year in dialysis and general medicine. So she's been an RN in dialysis and home therapies in various locations, including Westmead Adults and Children's um, and also in Alice Springs. She's been a CN on Morton Island as well as hemodialysis unit. Uh, she was a CNC in Mount Isa and in Townsville Renal Units, as well as multiple acting nurse unit manager positions for dialysis before getting out into the nurse practitioner candidate role in 2013, which landed her an NP role at both Mount Isa CKD and dialysis. And then currently she's working as a nurse practitioner for home therapies based in Townsville. And this job covers areas um, including Townsville Hospital and Health Service, Central West Hospital and Health Service and Northwest Hospital and Health Service home dialysis patients. So she's got a huge area to cover and a really unique position. So welcome, Vicky Nebia. How are you going? Good. That's good. Thanks I'm for having so, me. No, you're welcome. I'm really excited to be able to, to share your story. You've certainly got a unique position, um, you know, and a broad position covering, well, I don't know, would it be half of the state, I guess? Almost, I think. Oh, well, the Townsville, Mount Isa area I cover, I know, is under over 500,000 square kilometres. And I that's not including Central West because there's only one town I do in the Central West. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. So uh, this podcast is called A Nurse Out Where. So from your perspective, can you finish the sentence, I'm a nurse out where? I guess I'm a nurse out where anything goes. Like today I might be the nurse, but tomorrow I could be the plumber. I could be the courier. I could be the pharmacist. What, what um, do you mean you'd be the plumber and the courier? What does this mean? So, like, I cover places like Mornington, Doomagee, Boulia, Um, And if I go to those places and the person's machine's not working, I might need to, an example is Doomagee quite often has a lot of water problems and it's not unknown for me to have to climb under the hospital and check the pump. Oh, okay, to make sure the water's working. <laughs> oh, wow. To make sure the water's pumping to get the dialysis machines going. Um, is this something that is part of your nurse practitioner training or, like, how do you learn uh, this stuff? No, I, I have a plumber sometimes. I have the technicians in Townsville on the phone. I've had a technician in Townsville on the phone talking me through fixing some of the equipment before um, to keep the dialysis machine working. Um, but, yeah, quite often it's always the pump in Doomagee that's my 
thing, which is not pleasant in summer when it's 45 degrees and you're crawling in a very small space underneath the hospital to check is the pump on and is it working? Yeah, wow. Wow, who would have thought that this would be part of your career? <laughs> That's incredible. So why, <laughs> why did you want to go rural and remote? What sparked your interest in doing this? Um, originally, I really wanted to be a raw flying doctor's nurse. Yep. Um, but when I looked into that, you had to do maternity. And I want absolutely nothing to do with maternity. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. I have have no interest in, I love the babies and I like talking to people who are pregnant, but I want nothing to do with people giving birth and looking in places I don't want to look. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. So, 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 yeah, you, you thought you'd do RFDS, but then ended up doing renal. Yeah, uh, well, I got sent there as a grad and it's not what I wanted, but it's what the I was able to get at the time and I really loved it. I loved helping people. I loved the continuity. Um, unlike sometimes when you're in the ward um, or in ED, you see the person and then you might never see them again. I literally, these people almost become your family. You see them three days a week. Yep. Um, until you move, they move, or unfortunately, if they pass away, hopefully, or they get transplanted. Yep. Yep. Yeah, wow. And, you know, and you're right, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And it's certainly not something that, you know, it's not one of those sexy careers like, you know, ED or, you know, you don't see TV shows on renal. But <laughs> you're probably not going to. <laughs> but you know, it's it's um it's certainly been a rewarding career for you by the sounds of it. Yeah. I like people, um, especially where I work in home therapies, I like people being able to achieve things that's unexpected of them. Um, we have lots of people who everyone goes there, oh, they're never gonna get home, they're never gonna be able to do anything for themselves. And we get them there. They get to go home. They get to stay at home. They get to have their, you know, their full treatment and they're doing it themselves. Yeah. All right. So they they might be dialysing at home. They're not necessarily having a nurse do that for them. Yeah. So even in Doomagy, we have patients that do their own dialysis. It's just based in the hospital for water and electricity reliability. So there's no nurse out there to do the dialysis. When I'm out there and I'm crawling under the hospital space, it's because I'm actually there to run clinics. <laughs> okay, right, right. <laughs> so it's yeah. So they they manage themselves. They you know do all the all the cares and connections themselves. All of that. Yeah. And you um, you educate them to that point, or? Um, I don't do the education so much anymore as a nurse practitioner, but mm-hmm. I oversee their treatment, mm-hmm. um, and I work with the staff in the home therapies team. Yeah, okay, great. That do the actual training. Yep. Yep. Yeah, wow. So look, you know, you know, we're bound by patient confidentiality as part of our nursing registration with the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Board. Um, so keeping that in mind, have you have you got a fond memory or a tale to tell of your time other than crawling under the hospital? <laughs> um, probably one of my most rewarding, like the feel-good thing would have been um, when I was a nurse in Alice Springs and I was in dialysis there as well. And I was an agency nurse, but I was quite senior compared to a lot of the staff there. 
And I had a lady who wanted to hop off the dialysis machine to go to the bathroom. So I got her off and they, she had a central line in, so a central venous catheter um, to have her dialysis. And I put the syringes on the end of the line, which is what we do. And she went off to the toilet. Anyway, 10 minutes later, she still wasn't back. I went to the bathroom and she wasn't there. So this is ideally, um, or not ideal really, because this lady is missing and she has an open central line. So I went outside and I found her sitting outside. She didn't want to come back inside because she was cold. And because her, she had a central line, I had to go and sit outside with her in case one of the syringes came off. Anyway, we were, I went and sat outside, took a blood pressure machine, did her all her obs and sat with her outside. Anyway, it was, I think it was November, so it was quite hot and I'm a redhead, fair haired person. And I'm sitting outside getting redder and redder <laughs> as we went. And in the end, after about, oh, probably about 40 minutes, the, the um, patient said, come on, sister, we're going inside. You look like you're going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, we went back inside for me, but it was her idea. And then I got it back on the machine and we finished the treatment. And at the end, she said, you know, thank you for sitting with me. She said, everyone else would have just kept yelling at me to get back inside. She said, you just sat patiently and waited for me to take my time, you know. So she thanked me for, and she, you know, and at the end of the day, she was concerned about me passing out, um, sitting outside in the sun. And I guess probably one of my other fond memories of in a remote place is more of a funny one. Um, I was work, working on Mornington Island, um, and I was in their ED and it was 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. And I think it was my third night shift. Anyway, so, you know, you're tired and you're getting a little intolerant by then. <laughs> and a man come in and he'd been bitten by a centipede. Anyway, um, no doctor. So you're getting out the, the RIPEN book or the RFDS book as it was then. And you're looking to make sure you follow the right procedures, you know, dress the wounds, swelling, looked at everything. Anyway, I'm just in the process of cleaning and dressing his thing. And he says to me, oh, you should have seen the size of that centipede. And he said, it was huge. And I said, oh, okay, you know. I said, maybe next time. Anyway, he said, no, 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 next time. And he literally takes it out of his pocket and puts it on me. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it with him. But it was thankfully then dead. <laughs> but literally puts it on my arm as I'm dressing his foot. <laughs> And I was like, mate, it's, you know, not appropriate to be doing this at, you know, 3am. Next time you can just leave your centipede at home. He's like, but you might have needed to see it. You might have needed to take a sample from it. I'm like, there's nothing I can sample from a centipede. And he was very, very upset with the fact that I couldn't do anything with this dead centipede that he'd killed when he stood on it. (laughs) But yeah, that's probably one of my funnier, funnier experiences working remotely. Yeah, wow. That I can say that is um, politically correct and <laughs> doesn't involve swearing. <laughs> oh, no, that's really cool. And, you know, you hear stories about people bringing the snake with them if they get bit by a yeah. snake, but I've never heard yeah. bringing the centipede with them. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Mm, I didn't really appreciate it at 3 a.m. in the morning. No, no, no. I, I, I could live without that. It was probably about 10 or 15 centimetres long, so it was quite a long centimetre. So 
So it was a decent size. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> so, you know, you've worked way out everywhere. What, uh, what are some of the things that you might miss when you're working out in a rural and remote area? Um, for me, the thing I missed the most was always my family. So I come from a very large family and we are always in each other's faces, which is nice at times. But I guess when I'm away, um, that's probably what I miss is seeing my family. And I mean, it's amazing now because we've got Teams and Zoom and everything else and FaceTime and Messenger and everything you can keep in contact, which does make it much easier when you're away. But it still, still does get a little bit hard, I guess, if there's a big family celebration and when your family is big as mine, there's always celebrations for something. Um, but you miss out on those little things. That's probably about what I miss. Yeah, yeah. And in some places, my glass of wine on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can't always get that. No. So, you know, what a, it is really rewarding, but also can be very challenging. So what are some of the things that you might do for yourself and your own mental health when you're working out in these areas? Um, music's a big one for me. So whether I'm listening to music, I just love my music, um, and exercising. So if I always needed to wind down, exercising was a good one for me. Other things is getting into the community mm -hmm. um, to, you know, be part of a team, you know, make new friends. Um, that's sort of how I've always been able to mentally prepare myself. Do, 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 out, do what's out there for what you've got. Um, yep. like I went fishing in, used to do a lot of fishing when I was on Mornington Island. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I didn't do that when I worked in a lot of other places, but you know, we went with people, it was quite a social thing. Um, and that was quite, you know, it was really good to be able to sort of bond with other people. Yeah. Nice. Well, that was going to be my next question to you. What are, what are some of the things you do on your days off? So it, I guess it depends where you are. You know, you've, yep. you've worked in a lot of different places. So, you know, it would, it would certainly depend where you were as to what you did. Yep. But what are some of the things that you might do to fill in your time? Um, be part of the community. So whether it's fishing, going camping, um, joining the community groups. Many years ago on Mornington Island, we used to have a Friday night social club and it's it's a dry island, so it's not like your normal type of social club, but it would be, we would do board games, um, potluck dinners, so everyone just bring a bring us something for dinner. Um, and we made those sort of a routine thing. And it wasn't just with nursing. So we had teachers, uh, we had the QAS, um, plumbers, or like, you know, it was just a, whoever was around sort of and wanted to join in type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, be part of the community. We, I went to um, both in Alice Springs and Mornington Island. I quite often went to the art places there um, and what you know, um, watch people paint just to get an interest of seeing what part of the community is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very good. And I and I think um, you know, as you say, the community isn't just the nursing community or even just yeah. the clinic. You know, there's there's lots of other services that are you know, going through the same things as you are. So it's good to, to get that connection. Yep. Oh, yeah. So I think I think part of that, you know, and when I say teamwork, it doesn't need to be the nurse you work with every other day. It can be, you know, just 
being part of a, a group that you're not normally part of. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Broadening, broadening your experiences yeah. while you're there. So what are your top three tips for someone who might be thinking about, you know, they might be in the same boat as you were or at the end of their, their uni and looking for their grad year and end up doing something completely, you know, left of field? What would be your top three tips if they were thinking about rural and remote work? Uh, first one would be just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second one would be try anything twice. Okay. That, that's a motto I live by a lot. <laughs> Um, because you don't always get the best experience the first time around. Yeah, okay. So, yep. so you might go to a rural or remote place and it might not be the fit for you. That doesn't mean one of the other rural and remote places aren't for you. Yep. Um, yeah, so try anything twice because there's a lot of things we don't like the first time around. <laughs> I like that <laughs> one. I do like that one. Try it twice. Yep. Yep. Um, and learn as much about wherever you're going before you go. So if you're, that way you can be prepared to know what's in the community, know what's available. Um, if you're going somewhere, you go, oh, well, that might be a good area to go camping. You can be prepared. Um, if it's a bit more isolated, um, then you can have your backup plans in place as well for to support your own mental health and well-being, whether it's you like cooking or whatever you need to be doing to make sure that, you know, you've got what you need for when you get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a and really good about, tip. And learn about the culture before you get there. So I'm not saying you need to know everything, but so you've got a basic idea of what, what life is like there. Yeah, that's right, because every every community is is different. Um, you know, yeah. they might have some similarities, but they're all all unique in their own beautiful way. And I think um, I think it's really important to to do your research. And we have such access to so many different platforms now. You know, it's not just going and getting your Encyclopedia Britannica and flicking through till you find the right page. Like you can find so many so much um, about all of these communities. So yeah, I think that's a that's a really cool tip. Thank you for that one. And a lot of councils have websites and they're happy to be approached as well. Yeah, okay. So you could call or, the, or the local page. council. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know that I've directed people for Dumaji. Um, Mornington Island, even um, the smallest place I go is Bullia, so population 200. Yep. So they have a council, they have a council site and they have a council thing. So I always check with them before I, if there's anything, you know, if there's been flooding or if there's anything new or different in town, um, I do that at least once a year. Yep. Um, I go, I go three, up to three times a year, but generally once a year, I always check in with them just to check that nothing's changed in town. Yeah, because no, that's, that's really clever. Change. Yeah, as you say, you know, like there could be, well, they're having a significant weather event in southern mm -hmm. Queensland at the moment. So, you know, those kinds of things can really impact on these remote communities. So, yeah, no, that's a really good, really good tip. I like that one. Contact the local yeah, council. Or even if the hours of the store has changed, mm. you know, whether the, the supermarket is only open Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays or something for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's very wise. I, I really like that. That's very cool. Well, thank you and for your time. Welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are, and I think that you're exactly right. You know, if you if you reach out to the local community, as you say, through the council or whatever, they they're happy to have a yarn and tell you what's going on. Mm. 
um, so that you do come prepared because they want you to enjoy their community as well. Yeah. You know, they want you to have a good time and hopefully stay. So, yeah. Hey, look, thank you for your time. I've appreciated you taking your time out of your day to have a yarn with me. And um, That's okay. hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Possibly. If I'm <laughs> here, now, now that COVID's starting to um, wind back a little bit, I've got many outreach trips that I'm all planning. So that's literally what I've been doing most of the day, trying to plan all my outreach trips that were already cancelled earlier on in the year due to COVID restrictions. Yeah, okay. Awesome. So you'll be back on the road. Yep. <laughs> well, take care out there and hopefully I'll see you soon. Thank you. If this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.